It's, it's, it's the let's get it on of any book in God's word. Uh, some of the songs that I came up with, and again, in no particular order, but uh, that just kind of hit me uh, yesterday was I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. And um, written uh, 20 years earlier by Dolly Parton, believe it or not, 1973. Also, uh, Endless Love, Lionel Richie, that's the number one love song on Billboard's chart of all time. Another one which was a, a favorite of mine back in the 80s, Power of Love by Huey Lewis in the news. This one, Love Hurts by Nazareth. <laughs> You know that song, love hurts, love scars, right? So, so uh, yeah, 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 bring it, uh-huh. That's the extent of all you're getting right there. Um, but just because in case, um, I, I'm not good with remembering lyrics, and so I have all the lyrics of the songs that I chose just in case someone was going to try like, to stump me or something like that. But um, I also had... Um, uh, a great song by Paul McCartney. Maybe I'm amazed at the way you love me all the time. Maybe I'm afraid of the way I love you. Maybe I'm amazed at the way you pulled me out of time and hung me on a line. Maybe I'm amazed at the way I really need you. Man, that was a good song. Also, uh, two more, just because uh, I, I just had to. Um, some of you might be Michael Bolton fans, but I'm a Percy Sledge fan. And uh, when a man loves a woman. Mm. That's right there with Marvin Gaye, you know, uh, on this book. And then the last one, just because I, I had to, um, because he's the king. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, Elvis Presley can't help falling in love. So notice uh, I didn't have anything that was older than in the 90s, all right, just because nowadays, man, you, I just can't keep current with things, and you're saying current, you're like 20 years behind. Hey, I know, that's okay. I've been stretching it if, if you know, I mean, you, you want me to say Taylor Swift, a love story, right, you know, I, I'm a T-Swift, like her. Um, but uh, these songs share the fact of a wide array of feelings and emotions and insights about human love and desire, right? And again, you're thinking about all kinds of, uh, of other songs, and uh, when I was looking on the list, there's, there's tons of them, but as we explore the, the book Song of Songs, that's what the Hebrew title is in the Hebrew scriptures, for uh, Christians, it's uh, Song of Solomon. And as we look at that, we're going to see some things that, that we question, like why is this book even in the Bible? Uh, this book is very descriptive. It is dripping with Hebrew metaphors. It, it's considered quite racy, almost uh, like um, Fifty Shades of Grey for the Bible. 
and just the fact that you're laughing or snickering, you just gave yourself away that you know what Fifty Shades of Grey is, right? I mean, come on, we all know that. No, I haven't seen the movie. No, I haven't read the book. Uh, I can read Song of Songs. There's an old rabbinical requirement. Rabbis used to require this a long time ago, that no Jew should ever read the Song of Songs until he attained to the age of 30. Okay? And, and they held to that. Probably for good reason. And uh, to be honest, I don't know if these 117 verses, that's what makes up this book. Eight chapters, 117 verses, all flow chronologically or not. I mean, as you look at your roadmap and you saw them describe that, it's like twists and turns and, and commentators are so divided that it, it's just like trying to get a handle on this is, is crazy. I can't tell if the beloved, the woman, is having flashbacks from times before her marriages, or marriage, sorry, uh, or, or, or not. And, and these poems are so intertwined that you can't really tell when they were married. You know, we're so used to reading in chronological order, right? But this book does not lend itself for that. Not at all. Commentators are all over the place when it comes to interpretation, when it comes to structure, when it comes to unity, when it comes to the author, when it comes to characters. Almost every b verse has been the subject of lively debate. No other book is as controversial as this book in all of Scripture. As it pertains to the theme of the book, one scholar thinks that it's the glorification of true love. Another states that it's a celebration of human love. Still another writer uh, writes, the purpose of the book is to extol human love and marriage. Uh, I, I like studying out of uh, uh, this Bible, the Life Application Bible, and they have in their study notes that there's five mega themes found in this book. One is sex, one is love, one is commitment, one is beauty, and one is problems. The problems that come up in marriage and in relationships. Our video pointed out two themes, and you can see them right there on your sheet. One of them, it says, is intense desire. And the second one was the joy of physical attraction. Now, when I was a youth pastor, um, uh, I used to catch flack from wanting to teach my students about sex from God's perspective because I was so tired of them hearing from the world's perspective that I thought, well, it's in the Bible. Why don't we help students understand that it's a gift from God and that when we can follow through with his guidelines, we will be so blessed to be able to enjoy the, the blessings that come with that. I had some parents um, who were vehemently opposed. I can remember um, one set of parents who said, Craig, that's why we send our kids to private school so they won't have to hear about things like this, and now you want to bring it to the church. I thought, man, 
man, why, why are we letting the world own the definition of love and intimacy? And so I, 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 I taught on it. Those uh, students stayed home for four weeks. And uh, I, I hope that I gave a good biblical view and perspective on the beauty of this gift that God has created for us to enjoy in the right relationship of marriage. Depending on where you stand in interpreting this greatest song of love poems, some commentators even say, no, that's not what it means. It, it means it's, a, it's an anthology of, of all of these love poems put together. It doesn't mean kind of like how, how they refer to as, you know, in the, you know, the holy of holies, right? That's like, okay, you don't get any holier than, than that description, right? When they're talking about the, the tabernacle, okay? Or, or, you know, Lord of Lords, okay? It doesn't get any higher than that, you know, as a description of, of who God is, and so I, I believe that when it says song of songs, I was like, man, this is the song of any descriptor of love. It says, um, depending on where you stand, um, you could make an argument that this couple was, was married in, in one of three different places. So if you want to open up to a song of songs, uh, I'd encourage you to do that. I don't have any slides. Um, it's, it's been a pretty hectic week. Can't lie to you. There's been a lot going on. And um, uh, so I'm going to be flipping back and forth in my Bible. Uh, I hope you, you do too. And so uh, one commentator says, hey, and I, I read about six, so I know that's not exhaustive, but when they're all starting to say the same things, you kind of know that, yeah, they're speaking for others as well. One says, hey, they were married in chapters one and two. And then as they talk, because it's not a chronological story, there's kind of like this feedback. And they're kind of like replaying it, like, oh, wow. Remember before we were married? And they intertwine and go back and forth like that. Um, another commentator says, oh no, they didn't get married until chapter three through five and then they didn't consummate their marriage until chapter five, verse one. So it's like, okay. And then there's another view that no, 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 no. They believe that, that what's written in here is in somewhat chronological order and so um, they did not become married even though it doesn't say in this book until chapter 8, verse 5. So I want us to look at those passages for, for a moment that, that I'd, I'd like us to see. And one thing I, wa- I want to point out is that whether the woman was having flashbacks or dreams, because if you look in chapter 3, in, in verses 1 through 4, and she says in the NIV, all night long on my bed, I looked for the one who my heart loves, I looked for him but did not find him. Remember in the video, we're talking, he, they were talking about hide and seek, right? They were doing that, hiding and seeking. Well, um, in, in that passage, uh, a lot of commentators, no, she was dreaming. In some translations, she was dreaming. 
And I don't know about you, but listen, I can relate to that. Before I was married, I, I was dreaming a lot about what it would be like to be married someday. I'm not going to hide that. I'm not going to deny that. I was like, wow, that was, that was on my mind quite a bit. And so I, I, can, I can hold to that. I, I can like, oh, all right, I, I'm good with that. But I, I'm not going to say that 100% absolutely. You can't with this book. You just can't. But um, I'd like you to look, uh, we're going to look at three verses. Chapter 2, verse 7. I don't know what page. You're going to have to just, thank you very much, Carrie. I appreciate that. 679. Thanks, Arcel. Okay. Six. All right. Yeah, we've got some more love songs going on right there, Wayne. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a different day, isn't it, folks? Um, so in chapters 2, verse 7, it's going to say something, uh, the absolute same thing in chapter 3, verse 5. And then something similar but different in chapter 8, verse 4. So in chapter 2, verse 7, uh, it says this in the New American Standard. And that's uh, the Bibles that we have in, our, in the pews under the seat. It says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the hinds of the field, that you do not arouse or awaken my love until she pleases. Now in the ESV, it says the same thing, I adjure you, but then instead of do not arouse, it says that you not stir up or awaken love. And then it says, until it pleases. And then the, in the NIV, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. And it says, I charge you. You know, adjure, we don't use that word. Maybe you do, I don't. But you know, it's kind of like a, a weird word. It means I urge you, I request, I charge you to not stir up or awaken love. And then it repeats itself in chapter 3, verse 5. Same thing. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the hinds of the field. Hinds, that's another word for does. Okay? So in case you're wondering, like, by the hinds of the field, uh, Craig? No, it's not about your hiney, okay, or anything like that. It's an animal. And so they're using the, this imagery, um, until she pleases, or in the ESV, until it pleases, or in the NIV, until it so desires. So two different times after we read all this interaction and all this descriptive detail about how much these two are in love, then we get to that part where it just says that, do not arouse or awaken my love. I've still got to hold back. Now, I remember when, when Shirley and I were seriously dating, and then when we were engaged, we knew you still have to hold back, right? Didn't mean it was easy. 
didn't mean I was passing with flying colors. It's a good thing I had a wife who could like just say, hey, chill. I used to tell people I have uh, Jewish blood and Roman hands. So uh, I'm just telling you, you know, that um, I'm fortunate by God's grace that uh, he he, um, uh, protected uh, me before I became a Christian and after I was a Christian. As somebody who's done, I don't know, probably close to 70 weddings, uh, there used to be a time where, where you could be somewhat pretty confident that um, couples that you were going to be marrying were not already um, enjoying marital intimacy before marriage. Nowadays, I assume that they are and address that in, when I counsel. Lots changed in the past 30 years since I've gone into ministry. But here's what happens is in, in verse 4, or yeah, chapter 8, verse 4, and she says, I want you to swear, do not arouse or awaken my love. And, and then the commentators will say, look at verse 5 of chapter 8. It says, who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Under the apple tree, I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you. There she, bore you. she who bore you was in labor. New American Standard, beneath the apple tree, I awakened you. In, in the Net Bible, which I, I, I love that translation, it talks about you know, these maidens, these friends of, of the woman uh, because that's where we have interaction throughout this book. If you don't have a a, a translation that kind of shows where the beloved and where the friends and then where her lover is talking, you can get lost so easy. I mean, so easy. It's like, how do you keep track of that? And and in the Net Bible, her, her friends were talking, who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? And the beloved to her lover, under the apple tree, I aroused you. And so commentators will say, even though there's no talk about, oh, after verse 4, where she was restraining, and then coming to verse 5, oh, they got married. It just, it's not just mentioned, but it's, it's assumed. I don't know if I can go there or not, but I just had to present that to you. Um, I think because this story goes in and out, back and forth from time, that, you know what, um, they, they probably were married, and then the times when she's talking about, nope, not yet, that's her recalling, oh, man, that was so difficult. I did not want to hold back at all. But she did. And I want to mention this to you because I, I think it's we're talking about first sexual desire. It's a gift. Um, there have been women that I have counseled with who have said, "You know, Craig, you have no idea how difficult it is to grow up where you were told your entire life, sex, no, that's dirty, that's gross, that's a sin," and then to have the expectation that on your wedding day the the, the switch gets flipped 
and all of a sudden something for your entire life that you've been told is a sin and is gross and don't you ever do it and now because you're getting married and there's a piece of paper that states it and you have somebody like myself who now I now pronounce you man and wife that all of a sudden now, oh, okay, now I can enjoy this. No. It doesn't work like that. And a lot of you women sitting out here know that. And even for some men. And so overcoming the mental crud, the emotional just filth, or so we think, is so, so difficult. And so we have to understand that sexual desire is a gift. That's a gift from God. He created it. God created sexual desire as a gift for humans to enjoy before sin had corrupted it. You saw in the video because it's coming back to that whole Genesis time. They were not ashamed. There was no sin. But then sin entered on in and it corrupted it. But in this case, in this book, these two lovers use sexual desire and apply it correctly. That's a key thing. And that's the message I wanted to communicate today. And another thing is that the right timing. Though both lovers are immensely captivated by each other. I mean, man. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago I told you guys I, I need to start exercising. Well, I got out on one bike ride so far. But I did. So improvement. And, um, and uh, been walking more than I have been. That doesn't mean I'm walking every day. But I have been. And I've been teasing with Shirley. I'm just going, oh boy. I've been studying an awful lot on this book. And um, we need to go on a lot of walks, honey. (laughs) If you get my drift. Because it's like, wow, you can only read this stuff so much and kind of not be thinking, hmm. Huh. So um, uh, that's helped me in my exercising ability. But uh, when I think about this, that how captivated they are, uh, the woman methodically reminds the readers to wait for this special passion at the right time and for the right person. I know most of you know that. I, I know you do, but sometimes I think we need to be reminded of things like that because um, we grow impatient, don't we? We grow impatient. And, and it's God's word that brings us back. Um, for myself, I'll share a, a, an illustration. And please hear me because it is by the grace of God that, that I can share this, not because I'm some um, uh, pillars of the faith, but uh, through God's protection, um, I was a virgin when I got married. There were uh, times in my life where that um, was almost not the case. 
And at the time, as a non-Christian, I wasn't exactly happy about that. But being able to look back, God protected me. And uh, there was a time when I had an injury on my knee. I've never had it before, never had it since. I had a huge swelling on my knee. And um, uh, I, was at, I was like, man, where'd that come from? I didn't remember banging it. And I, I was at my church, and I fell. And I mean, it just like burst, and it just dispersed everywhere inside of my skin, but just like, boom. Painful. But I'd already scheduled an appointment to go see the doctor, and I went to see the doctor. And he said, okay, well, we need to test, and we need to test you for um, an STD. I go, what for? And he goes, well, because that, that's one of the possible symptoms that, uh, that we want to rule out, and a lot of times it's because of that. I said, well, I, I don't want you to waste your time. You don't have to do that. And he, he kind of looked at me. I'm sure he's heard that from other people, right? Uh, other people, oh, uh, no, it's okay, you know, kind of thing. And uh, I said, well, listen, feel free to test it. If I can get a sexually transmitted disease by being a virgin still, um, then, okay, test me. And he looked at me. He goes, what? I go, yeah, I, I, I was a virgin when I got married, and, and I said, and my wife was too. He goes, shut up. I'm like, listen, I, I don't, if you, you can doubt me, that's okay. I, that's just the truth. I don't have to hide anything from you. I want to get well. I, w- I want to see what's going on here. And he just started to say a few more words that were expressing his unbelief. And uh, he goes, no, no, you're serious. I'm like, I, yeah, I, I am. So I'm just trying to help eliminate. I don't think it's that, but if you want, I, I've, been, I've had needles poke me my whole life. Go for it. And uh, he said, no, no, come on. No, seriously, I can get in trouble if I don't check for this. And I said, that's the truth. He goes, I've never met anybody who can say that. I told him, it's by the grace of God. It's not because I'm some martyr. It's not because I'm some stalwart That's the grace of God. God protected me, even though I thought, man, how come I didn't get that opportunity? God's protection. I say that um, not because uh, I want you to think highly of me. I really don't. I, 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 I say that because God thinks sex is important, and it's a gift. And it's not to be abused. And when it is used in the proper time and in the proper way, why does God say, you're going to be enjoying a whole lot. I didn't have to worry about contracting an STD. I don't have to worry about comparing my wife. God protected me. Scripture contains numerous guidelines for its use as well as its warnings for its misuse, right? 
Sex is always mentioned in the context of a loving relationship between husband and wife. Well, then I started thinking, well, what if that isn't your story? What if in your past, maybe uh, you didn't follow God's warnings? And here's what I want to tell you, that Jesus has covered it. Jesus has covered it. If you've humbled yourself and confessed it to him and sought his forgiveness, he has covered it with his blood on the cross. You don't have to keep beating yourself up over past sins. It's taken care of. I counsel with so many people who are almost addicted to beating themselves up over a past sin. Please forgive me, but I can't help this joke. So do, do you know why, why Catholics are thankful that um, Jesus wasn't stoned to death? Because they wouldn't have to go like this all the time. One person got it. That's all right. But you know what? Um, there's a lot of people that go around doing that all the time. Internally. Just beating themselves up. When Jesus says, why? I've already taken care of that. We've already dealt with that. You're a new creation. And if you uh, do beat yourself up, trust me, I share your pain. There's times I feel like I, 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 I'm, I'm really good at self-flagellating, whipping myself. And uh, I'm wrong. Jesus never asked us to do that. He says this, you're forgiven. I died so that you don't have to do that. You have a fresh start. Now the question is, will you take him up on that offer? Let's pray. Lord, um,